We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Colts coming on the blitz. Taylor eluding the second, runs for the first down. Still going inside the 30, and Taylor forced out of bounds just shy of the 20. 31 yards on a brilliant rush by Tyrod Taylor. You know, it's funny. I told the team the night before, I said, guys are going to find out why Percy Harvin's here. Taylor's going to take a shot. He's got his man, Harvin, caught in the end zone for the Buffalo touchdown. 51 yards as Harvin beats Darius Butler. Buck's going to take another shot. It's intercepted. Picked off Ronald Darby. Second and 15. That clock continues to run. Bills have one time. And look at Carlos Williams. Bangs into the end zone. Here come the Bills on the blitz. Look. They protect his pass. It's tipped and intercepted. Picked off by the safety, Aaron Williams. But yeah, Tyrod had a, had a great game, 40-some yards rushing, and then, uh, you know, 123 quarterback rating. You're going to win a lot of games out. It's the staff that we put together, the vision that we have as, a, uh, as an organization. That's what's going to make it work. But, man, am I proud to be the coach of the Bills. And I'm damn proud to be a Buffalo Bills fan. This is the Rockpile Report. I'm Drew Gear, season ticket holder. Sit in section 200, row, row 7, seat 16. And I've got Chris Kruger producing. That was Spiro Ditas from CBS. Just with some of the highlights out of the uh, Buffalo Bills beatdown of the Indianapolis Colts. Drunken Dizzy Bad videos on Deadspin. Craigslist ads about sexual favors in the stands. When we didn't come here for a BJ or a ZJ or any kind of a J. <laughs> all kinds of nonsense going on in the stands. Some wind, some rain, and a, all of a sudden, amid all this nonsense, a football game broke out. We curb stomped the Colts this weekend, 27-14. Don't look at the scoreboard. Anyone who saw the game knows that game was over after the first possession after halftime. I don't care who you are, whether you're the Washington Redskins, whether you're the Browns, or even if you're the Indianapolis Colts, you go down 24 nothing in a football game, it's over. It's done. You you had a bad day. Start the buses. 
We we showed him some life there in the second half, but overall, great performance. Who isn't amped up after this win? Oh, I'm totally amped. You sound like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you don't want to get overhyped. Well, you don't. I'll say this. Gut check reactions. First off, can we give a shout out to the, the good people of Buffalo, New York? There were only three felony arrests this weekend. In accord, like in association with the Buffalo Bills game. That, that's a new record. WIVB.com actually did a story about it. Why don't you go check it out? <laughs> it's impressive. I think a part of that stems from the fact there's more season ticket holders. This is the most we've ever had. And so 60,000 60, fans out of 80 are know they're going to be coming back to the stadium every weekend. There's going to be less nonsense, less BS going on in the stands. It's that simple. I'd like to say that my hands still hurt from beating on those seats and I'm we're lucky we did we did the podcast on Wednesday because I'm just now getting my voice back. It was crazy at the stadium. It's been widely publicized. The Colts fourth and goal was the loudest the stadium has ever been. I could feel it. The broadcasters could feel it. Everyone in the stadium knew that that play was important and how the Colts pulled it off. I give them credit because for them to be able to communicate and pull off a play through that, I, I credit Andrew Luck for being a great quarterback. How about that? Going to hit you up with some uh, Indianapolis Colts trivia? Ooh. What do you got for me? Andrew Luck, fourth year in the league. What's his record on opening day? Fourth year in the league, I'm going to call him two and two. He's one and three on opening day. How <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> about this? What's his record in career in September? Granted, he's had uh, one season where they had their bye in September. So they've played a total of 12 games in September in his career. What's their record? I seem to remember them doing kind of poorly out of the gate every year. Like they seem average and then they take off September on midseason. So I'm going to call it 12 games. 12 games. I'm going to say he's got to be better than 500. I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him seven and five. Very close. He's six and six in September. Eight and three in October. For as good as he is, I think that's more of a testament to the fact that he doesn't have a team. It's him or nothing. And we saw that on Sunday. They had nothing outside of Andrew Luck trying to make plays. Exactly. And that comes from drafting. That's why Grigson should be fired. So before we get too deep into this, I I want to talk about some of the lighter moments of Sunday. First off, there was a hilarious moment. It was hysterical. It hadn't been raining the whole second half. Well, at least for for alert for for a wide portion of it there. And you know, they were kind of making hay, both teams were going back and forth. Fourth Bills fourth down, we're lining up to punt and all of a sudden it starts to rain. 30 seconds later we snap the ball and Dorset fumbles. No sooner does he fumble and we recover than it just stops raining. It's it's something that makes you laugh when you think about it. And I don't know if the folks at home got to see it. But Aaron Williams had a moment there when he picked off the game. When he had that game-ending interception, he picked it off. He ran it the length of the field to the end zone. And then he laid it down on the ground and spun it and did the Fred Jackson, you know, Hulk flex in the end zone. And it was so cool to see. So cool. They're best friends. They still talk. I mean, he, he went to Fred Jackson's house, it's being reported, and drove his car to the stadium. He called him and got the pin number to his garage and drove his car to the stadium. He looks at Fred Jackson like a big brother. 
And I think that's great for the Buffalo Bills because this guy's he's going to be one of those guys that we look to to step up in the locker room. You're becoming you're not the elder statesman, but you're a guy now who's going to be required to make those clutch plays. The same way Fred did. The same way Fred at the end of a Patriots game or a Chicago Bears game or you know whatever the case may be, you could never count Fred out because he had a clutch play in him still. He still had one or two more. Yeah, that play last year in the season opener, or uh, yeah, it was overtime when he just shoved that guy, that safety, like five yards and made it to the goal line. They, they, exactly. And I think all the time that he spent with Fred is really going to pay off and bring him around as one of the leaders on this defense. I really do. So let's talk about the game. First and foremost, Colts' O-line was a tire fire. Can we agree on that, Chris? Yeah. Tire fire. When you see running backs getting gang tackled at the line of scrimmage, guards are just getting mauled by our defensive tackles. And the craziest part was you'd see them on blitz packages where they'd line up one down lineman and they'd have all the other D linemen stand up and spread out. No one knew what to do. There was a play earlier that I was showing Chris in the play, like the film breakdown. There was a play where... Mario put his hand in the ground almost like a D-tackle. And when everyone else stood up and spread out across the line, and when they snapped the ball, you had three offensive linemen trying to block Mario because everyone was confused. They had no idea what they were looking at. That's what Rex Ryan brings to your defense. How about the hit on Gore? I probably didn't see that. Unlike unlike you, I am a married man and... I was watching the game at one of my wife's friend's house for a birthday party for her son. I got to watch most of the game, but I do I don't remember that. That's a crime. That's criminal right there. That is absolutely criminal. Preston Brown shook Frank Gore out of his pads. Stacked him right up at the line of scrimmage. It was it was a savage hit. I am so pumped about Preston Brown being on this defense. Luck was under under fire all day. All day. He was being chased around. If he was a less athletic quarterback, he would have been in so much trouble. You talk about the differences between this year's defense and last year's defense, and even how it kind of relates to Mike Patton's defense. Kyle Williams, he spoke a little bit on it, and he, he clearly noticed the difference. One thing you have to keep in mind is we played in a very similar defense to this with Patton. So... Yes, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna line up all over the place. Um, I'm gonna line up all over the place. Mario, Jerry, everybody's gonna line up all over the place, and it's something you have to get comfortable with. That we try to get, you know, comfortable with in OTAs and and training camp. And you know, the more comfortable we get with it, the more uncomfortable they're gonna be. You know, you can tell you can tell what the confusion and the disguise can do to an offense. Whether we're blitzing, you know, four or more, or whether we're just bringing four and we're giving that look. So, it, it's a good thing for us to be able to do, especially against the elite quarterbacks. You have to be able to throw wrinkles at them to confuse them. You can't just line up and say, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do," you know, because they'll find a weakness in it. If anyone else wants to hear the rest of the interview, you can go to buffalobills.com. But it's exciting to see a defense that just finds ways to get after people. Speaking of getting after people, you know who no one got after was Tyrod Taylor. The dude kept... (laughs) People are calling Verizon today looking to cancel their plans, getting themselves some T-Mobile. The dude kept his head on a swivel, and that was the most impressive thing to me of the entire game. I mean... 
in my mind, the best play of the game on his behalf wasn't the throw to it wasn't the throw to Harvin. I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. <laughs> he almost threw it a quarter mile, but he didn't have to. The best play of the game, in my opinion, from Tyrod Taylor's position, was the play where I mean, because we were dominating. You know, you could fall asleep in the third quarter, and teams some teams get sloppy and they make mistakes and things like that. I mean, you're up twenty four nothing. He had the ball. It was inside of our 30 on the scoreboard side of the end zone. It was right in front of us. He threw a ball. It got tipped at the line. There's three Colts defensive players there. That's a pick waiting to happen in your almost in your own red zone. And he had the wherewithal to get up and make a volleyball play and knock that thing down. Because he knew, he still knew, even though we're cruising through this game, you cannot afford to let the other team get the ball in your territory. The fact that he can make a play like that on the fly in the middle of a game like that where most guys, you almost feel like teams fall asleep at that point. That was the defining moment of Tyrod Taylor's mentality for me. Yeah, he played He played really well, and you alluded to it last time we recorded where he would be able to uh, keep the linebackers and safeties at bay when he gets outside the pocket and, and takes off, in which he did that for 34 or 31 yards in that first clip at the beginning of the show. If he was Kyle Orton, he would have ran out of bounds right before the sticks. Instead, he made a little move, he got to the sticks, realized there was no one else to take him, and just kept pushing it to see how much more he could get. That's what excites me about him. He's always looking for more, he's always looking to see what he can get away with, and at the same time, he keeps his head on a swivel. I love it. Yeah, 40, uh, 47 yards rushing for Tyrod, and he had 31 on one play. Well, those rushing totals are nice. Here's where it gets a little dark. Our offensive line play was average. Can we agree on that? Average line play at best. I would say below average. The Colts don't have a good defensive line. Going into the game, I said that. The Colts' defensive line, especially without Arthur Jones, was weak. But the right side of our line, there was a couple plays where you saw coming off the field, Shady's over there on the sideline talking to his guard, talking to his right tackle, trying to get the... I mean, they're younger players. I understand that. But at the same time, they struggled a lot, especially in the run game. And that can't happen. Because when we we play some stouter defenses, especially with the defensive lines in our division, you can't have that. Oh, yeah, but the Jets and the Dolphins' defensive line? Now, like Carlos Williams' touchdown run, I thought that was all... I thought that was all Carlos and oh. no offensive line. He was running towards our end zone. It was one of the craziest things. He hit the line, and it looked like there was no hole, and he just kept churning his legs. And when he shot out of the other side, there was no way anyone who even wanted to tackle him, I don't think they could have. He was moving so fast. That play, was a, it was electric. It was great. I, I thought that coming into this game with – how bad we were last season on offensive line. We have Incognito and John Miller in the middle and how inexperienced Indianapolis's defensive line was. It was almost like a blessing for us as like that should be a test that you should pass as a horrible offensive line. But that's part of the problem. We had success running up the gut. That's where Williams' touchdown run came from. That's where a lot of our bigger runs, there was a play in the second half where I looked at my buddy and I called it. I said, we're in the shotgun right now, and their whole defense slammed to the right. A smart offensive coordinator would want to draw to the left, and they ran it. Roman called it, they ran it, and they got seven yards, I believe. So it's we ran 
off plays like that, and we ran up the gut very well, but trying to get shady outside in space to where he kind of likes to get to, you know, his spots. His sweet spot is when he can take a counter and bust it outside, and he's got a safety or a cornerback, maybe an outside linebacker to beat, and then he's gone. He wasn't comfortable running behind those two. I don't know if that's a lack of chemistry yet because they haven't played a whole lot together. I know Shady sat a lot during the preseason. But we have to see better play from that. Have to. I felt that Shady had some good swing passes and screens. Oh, he absolutely did. And I I credit Roman. I credit Roman for coming up with a game plan that played to the other. For the first time in a long time, I had a lot of faith in the offensive coordinator. Like I said earlier, when I can call a play from the stands and our offensive coordinator calls it and it works, that's... If some guy in the stands thinks something's a good a good idea or can see something in a defense, then you as an offensive coordinator, you would hope, would get it. But there's been years, years here, where you watch plays and you think, man, any person on the street can pick that play out. So defensive coordinators who get paid millions of dollars a year can probably figure it out, too. Turk Schoenert. Oh, my God. Nate Hackett. I'm sorry, but Nate Hackett was... Barely a college offensive coordinator. He rode Marone's coattails to our team and just buried us. I was It was refreshing to see someone who can come in. How about the, the bomb to Percy Harvin? They, they flat out said in the postgame that it wasn't in the playbook. But Roman recognized where they were playing, and I don't know where pulls his play out of his hat. That just, hey, based on how they're playing, I said, I think this might work. Let's take a shot at it. And it did. Oh, man, it did it ever. It was a good throw and a good catch. To continue raining on everyone's parade, penalties. What the hell, guys? Stop cheating, okay? Four offensive holding calls, three personal fouls, 11 penalties in total. 113 yards worth of penalties. You know, I, on the Darby interception, we... That was a flag on Hughes for uh, a personal foul. Watching the game on TV, I thought that was going to be on Rex because they show Darby running towards the sideline, and the first person to greet him was Rex. And I thought like Rex got flagged for running onto the field. <laughs> uh, I just, I let's look at let's call a spade a spade. We're not an. Ex- I don't care what this weekend showed everybody. We're not an explosive offense. That's not the game we're built for. So, as an offensive line, you cannot commit to what could be drive-killing penalties. You can't do it. An offensive holding is one of the worst. Yes, anyone who saw it saw it. There was a lot of garbage calls. Okay, the face mask that wasn't. <laughs> the face mask that was all jersey. Apparently, did you know it's a personal foul to not give the kicker a spot to land? That's what they called on us, on that punt where they flagged us. Luckily, they declined it, but they they threw a flag at us, not for running into the kicker, which is what I thought the penalty was going to be. It was not giving him a safe spot to land. And then in the very next series, they railroad our kicker, and there's no flag. Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember the uh, the punt. I was probably singing "Happy Birthday" at that point. Stop spending your Sundays with children, God. It's the Lord's Day. It's a day for alcohol and football. It's it's what I get for being married. And if you ever get married, you're going to have to make compromises like that, too. Well, hopefully I won't ever have to worry about that. Speaking of Greg Roman, all the, just his play calling, the balance, the balance to it. 
Harvin and Clay stood out, which beforehand, we talked about how that was going to be the bread and butter of the Buffalo Bills this week. Their, their ability to take advantage of linebackers that aren't that, aren't that fast and the ability to leave Sammy Watkins out there as a decoy and hit some other receiver. One interesting thing I saw was that Harvin actually took a lot more snaps than Robert Wood. Robert Woods didn't play all that often. I mean, he was out there, but not nearly as often. I think it was a 71, like 41% split. I, I, don't, I don't look into those numbers like you do. I got nothing better to do. So <laughs> that's what you get when you don't get married. That is, I, did notice, self. I did notice that Sammy didn't have a catch and didn't get his first look until the third. No. But like, like Rick said, some days that's just going to be the plan. If they're going to bracket coverage our best receiver, great. We'll, t- we'll draw your coverage away from every other guy because we've got more horses than you. We've got more horses than you can cover. So in that case, you want to leave Percy Harvin one-on-one, go ahead and do it because eventually we'll see it and take that shot. And it'll cost you seven. All in all, I think it was a great job by our coaching staff, great job by our players. Let's talk about the Rex effect. This guy came here and brought a brand new mentality to this football team. And I'm not just talking about on the field. First off, he's the first coach to ever win his home opening game in franchise history. Let that sink in for a minute. How many different coaches have we had and not a single one of them pulled off what he did? And I well, think- how many good coaches did we have? Marv? Lou Saban? Mm, yeah. I like the fact that he did it with his cancer-suffering father in attendance. Oh, yeah. I did see that Buddy was there. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, we're going to win. I said it to myself. We are going to win this game because he's he can't lose that game. Not with, not with Buddy Ryan. Not with him watching him. Rex is a guy. He's just a normal hangout, do a shot of whiskey, and tell you what's on his mind kind of guy. And it's refreshing. It's different from anything I've ever experienced as a Bills fan. Having a guy who doesn't get up on the podium and mince words. Or, you know, he doesn't beat around the bush. He says what's on his mind. And if it offends somebody, it offends somebody. His players are taking right after him. This week in the papers, you've got Aaron Williams openly talking about how he hates the Patriots. You've got Stephon Gilmore just going off about how he wants Gronk. When's the last time a Bills defensive backfield was open enough to just talk op- openly in public to papers, to publications around the country, that they want a great shot at one of the best teams in football? Yeah, uh, Darius even said it himself. <laughs> Don't nobody likes the Patriots. <laughs> just, just, let's just be honest about it now. And that was part of his interview from buffalobills.com. It, no one likes the Patriots. We all hate their guts. And, but this is the first time players have come forward and said it. That's Rex Ryan. His attitude is infecting our players, and I think it's great. I think it shows in the way they play. I think it's this defense. This defense has taken on his personality. I mean, if you listen to any of his stuff from over the course of the last week, it's apparent. It's painfully obvious that he does not mince words. You can tell by the way that he talks about his third down defense from the game. Here's a guy whose team just curb stomped. One of the one of the assumed to be better teams in football, 
And he comes out and calls out his defense in the postgame. I'm embarrassed of my third down defense played, to be honest with you. Awful. But uh, I'll blame that on Dennis. <laughs> blame it on Dennis. We all know he's the mastermind behind that defense, Rex. We all know it's you. Even the way, even to the way he wraps up his postgame when some reporter asks him about whether or not he's thinking about New England. After I have a couple of beers, then I'll be thinking about him. He strikes me as just a regular Joe who gets to coach football every day. And I like it. I like the fact that he doesn't pull any punches. Speaking of not pulling any punches, I want to I I just say something to everyone out there who's already jumped aboard the giant greyhound hype bus that is the 2015 Buffalo Bills. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the bus. We've officially left the station. Apparently, everyone has lost their damn minds. I'm not trying to be a downer here, but everyone who's hammered on the Buffalo Bills Kool-Aid right now needs to remember that 2011 happened. Okay? If you're drinking the Kool-Aid right now, just remember it was like fish, garbage, and warm milk when we went 5-2 and two and then rattled off seven straight losses. Seven of them. Seven. And miss the playoffs. We are still the Buffalo Bills, guys. I I don't mean to pop any bubbles. I know you guys are all going to get mad at me, but I'm going to say it. I'm not letting my, I'm diehard and I'm not letting myself get too pumped up about this. I'm happy about the win. I'll take it. But look at New England last year. They're a prime example of this. After the way they started their season, everyone wrote them off. People were talking about, is this the end? Is this the end for Bilicek and Brady? Or have they turned the corner? You said that on WGR when you called into Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I did. And guess what? They won a Super Bowl. The fact of the matter is, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's a good step. It's a win. Take one off the list because you're going to, that's, it takes 16. It takes 16 to be perfect. (laughs) Knock one off the list. And so as one game, as one game is in the books, We've got another one coming up on the horizon, and it's a big one. The annual New England Patriots Buffalo Bills at home. New season, same old story. Can anybody stop Brady, Gronkowski, and Bilicek? Because those three guys have given us fits for years. Well, if you watch the week one matchup opening night on Thursday night with Pittsburgh and New England, Pittsburgh actually had a little bit of an unconventional way of covering Rob Gronkowski by not covering him. No, no, no one touched Gronkowski. He was run. There was a play where it's third down and they're playing off coverage by 10 yards. You know that you're just asking for Brady to throw it there. And yet when they threw it there, I assumed someone would come up and make the tackle. And instead the five foot nine or five foot 10 D back couldn't bring Gronkowski down. Shocker. Shocker that he... (laughs) It was a horrible defensive game plan, and I think it... For as close... At the end of this day, when you look at the scoreboard, that game wasn't nearly as close as the scoreboard says it was. Gronkowski ran away with that thing. And we cannot afford to let that happen. But how about this? He's on pace to break the NFL touchdown record by a tight end by the time he's 29. Tony Gonzalez played a long time. A lot of these tight ends who were great Hall of Famers played a long time. 
He's he could break their record as long as as long as Brady stays his quarterback and he stays on a productive offense. He could break that by his, by the time he's twenty nine. And I'll tell you what else: history against the Bills and Rex's defense on the Jets has been huge. How about this? Seven games played against the Bills, five hundred and forty three yards, nine touchdowns. Him against the Jets, eight games, thirty nine catches. 461 yards, five touchdowns. If that tells us anything, it means that he found a way to keep him out of the end zone four more times than we did, but that's still five touchdowns in eight games. I think Rex will have a game plan to not stop Brady and Gronk, but to contain them. I feel like unless the plan involves hitting one of them with a vehicle... We're going to see a touchdown before the day's over. Call me a cynic, but I'm just saying, unless that's part of your plan, I don't see a universe where we keep them off the scoreboard, which means our offense is going to have to be on point and our defense is going to have to work. We're going to have to work for four quarters to get this victory. This is the game I was looking forward to. The Colts game, great. They're a non-division opponent. But no, t- there, it's a win in the AFC East. It's a win against a great team that almost made it to the Super Bowl last year. But yeah, this- we, we need that this year. Those wins against other opponents outside our division in our conference. I don't care about any of that. This is the game. When the schedule comes out, this is the game I look for. This is it. I talked about it earlier during some of our first podcasts. When they were talking about suspending Tom Brady for this game. I don't want to see it because this is the game that I look forward to more than any other home game throughout the course of every season. And my man Kyle Williams apparently agrees. You always want to play the best. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, you know, uh, my favorite wrestler growing up was Ric Flair. You know, said so, you know to be the man, you got to beat the man. So, you know, you always you always look forward to to a great challenge, and you know, I think we've got the guys that are that are up for it. You can find the rest of that interview on BuffaloBills.com. But yeah, like I said, I don't want to win some game against Jimmy Garoppolo, where he comes in and we beat the hell out of him. And then for how many weeks? Week nine, so seven weeks of everyone just saying, well, you know, the Bills won, but it doesn't really count for anything. I don't want to I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with it. I want to know that we went in there, they gave us their best shot, we gave them our best shot. Because this is for the division, I think. I'm sorry, there's not another elite quarterback in this division, and there's only one elite defense, and that's us. So if the elite quarterback in our division can't beat the elite defense, that bodes well for our chances. One thing we have going for us is that this is not, this is not your typical New England, New England team. They've got some warts on them this year. First and foremost, their wide receiver depth is not that great. Second of all, their tight end depth, they've got Scott Chandler. He showed up for a touchdown last week. Yeah, but can he pick up the football when someone fumbles it? <laughs> You're never going to get over that play. That, I feel like that play is seared into your brain forever. Oh, it is. Just like our parents probably have the Ronnie Harmon drop in Cleveland. <laughs> it's probably on the same wavelength. They don't have the talented wide receiver. Their defensive tackle depth, I mean, easily got hurt. There's no guarantee he'll play. He had a hip injury. He had to leave that Steelers game. D'Angelo Williams is old. He's not that explosive anymore. They're off. The Steelers' offensive line is not a great run-blocking offensive line, but he ran for 125 yards against them. 
that kind of speaks to New England might be missing Vince Wilfork? I have a feeling they might be. The other thing I see when I look at their, their roster, their impending roster for this week's game, they have at least two, and depending on whether Brian Stork can play, they may have three rookies on the interior of their offensive line. Tell me that our guys aren't chomping at the bit to get after them. They they better come after Brady up the middle, and even if he gets ball the ball off, hit him, knock him down. Oh, Jesus, I expect a ton of a gap a gap pressure, a gap blitzes. I think Darius being back is going to be huge. I mean, I see a gap blitzes combined with rolling coverages that are just going to get rolled to whatever side of the line Gronk's on, and that's going to be the recipe for getting the, get, getting over this New England hump. Getting in Brady's face while covering his favorite target. Rex called out Dion Lewis this week. Who? D- yeah, exactly. Who? No one knows who Dion Lewis is. But Rex made a point of saying his name, and I think he's trying to bait them into using him more. Because I think he already has a game plan to him. He's not afraid of a, a big running physical running back. Because we've contained big physical running backs. His defenses have held guys like that in check historically, where they've struggled to scat backs. I think he, but I think he's got a game plan in mind for this. The way that they use Deion Lewis, screen passes and rollouts and little chucks like that, I think you're going to see them lock down Deion Lewis if that's a part of their game plan. But I think by disrespecting him op- openly in public, he's almost egging Bilicek on. Like, hey, prove you're smarter than me. Prove you can make this guy an all-star. But I think he's secretly hoping he tries. Now, what do you think about the our, our corners against their receivers? Well, like, receivers Ed, like Edelman. <clears throat> Edelman? Edelman's a guy that I feel like the Steelers last week, that showing is not what you're going to get every week from an NFL defense. I think you're going to see a lot of press coverage across the board. They're going to force these guys to get off jams while our defensive line just gets after these guys. And I think a big part of that is Marcel Darius coming back. How about that? Marcel Darius, Mr. Big Stuff himself. He's going to be a big part of the puzzle when it comes to beating Tom Brady. He just signed his deal. He's fresh. Came off a week of rest. And I'm assuming he's going to come out chomping at the bit. I looked at his contract in Sport Track, and for everyone who is crying about how much money we paid for him. The amount of money I'm going to be making would hurt your parents' feelings. <laughs> the amount of money that he's going to be making this year is actually sixth among all defensive tackles for cap hits. Shocking, I know. He's not at the top. Next year, he's number two. And Dominican Sue is number one, but at double his cap hit. $28 million is Sue's cap hit next year. Jesus Christ, what would... They, if the Dolphins don't win a Super Bowl this year, you're in a lot of trouble next year because your cap is gone. What about with Darius's contract? What does that make for the offseason when it comes to somebody like Mario Williams at 32 years old? If Whaley's proven anything to this point, it's that he's he knows what he's doing when it comes to contracts, when it comes to finding guys, when it comes to restructuring deals, when it comes to crafting contracts. I'm impressed. I'm thoroughly impressed. How about this? 
Darius's contract over the rest of the deal stays right at about 14 and a half. That's his cap hit. But we can free up cap in other places, and he built this roster so that moving forward, we're not going to be cap hamstrung at any point down the road. I mean, that's barring any crazy moves we might make next year, depending on where we end up this year if he makes a decision to go for it. But I feel like Doug Whaley's done a great job in crafting Darius's contract. One of the big questions that got asked of him when he signed it was whether, you know, people were worried about his effort. People were worried about whether he was ready to, you know, whether the contract would make him lazy now that he signed it. It always feels good to be one and to know that the Buffalo Bills are, they are committed to me like I've been committed to them and, and we were doing what we what we promised us we were going to do with each other and and I, I want to be a part, be a Buffalo Bill. I'm going to do what I have to do regardless. I've been a man of more as I've been here. I'm going to try my best and if whatever is going to happen, however we're going to do it, I still going to try my best and do put my best foot forward on any field I would have stepped on. So that's, that's just me in general. That was part of his interview from buffalobills.com. The guy wants the ball. I mean, he's been a – I mean, I'm an I'm a Alabama fan. Roll tide. Roll damn tide this weekend against Ole Miss. I've been a Bama fan for a long time. I've known Darius since he was in college football. But one of the most endearing things to me about him as just a person and as a player was that when they asked him why he, you know, what he was playing for, what's your mentality? Is it, you know, are you playing for glory? Is it, you know, you're going to go out there and try to earn the biggest contract in the market? He said the only thing in his mind was that when he was a kid, his father died, his mom was in a wheelchair, couldn't take care of all the kids, and they all got split up. He was lucky enough to get, he was lucky enough to get adopted by his high school football coach who got him through high school football and into Alabama and ultimately onto the NFL. He hasn't had, now that he's got money in his pocket, he's had time to fly around and see people, but he said it since he got drafted, that his mentality is he wants to earn enough money to get a big house and get all of his family members together and just live together again. Because he knows they're struggling, he knows they're out there, he knows they're going through their own troubles, and he wants to play for them. A guy like that's not going to quit on you. He's not. He's playing for something bigger than just the contract, than just the fame, you know, the notoriety, and you have to respect that. Oh, yeah, that makes him raised on good values. Absolutely. And I know he's screwed up in the past, but I think, and I do, and I credit Doug Whaley for building things, clauses into his contract that affect his bonuses based on behavior. At the end of the day, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. I think you're going to see Marcel Darius grow to be one of the leaders of this football team. And hopefully he takes a step towards that this week by helping us smash the Patriots. Darius, back in the lineup, makes for one-on-one coverage on the outside for Mario and Jerry. Oh, 100%. It absolutely does. I think one of the most important things for our defense is pressure. And we were able to get that with Corbin Bryant and Stephon Charles against the offensive line that was given to us by the Colts. And I don't see any reason why that should change with Darius in the lineup. We have to have, like, the best depth when it comes to our defensive line. Well, think about it. We cut Bryce Brown this week to get Darius back on there. That guy was kept, useless. And kept Flewellen and kept, you know, who was inactive. But they kept... Now everyone who was worried coming out of training camp about our depth at D-tackle has to be pretty happy because we've got some players there. We really do. And I think that's going to be the foundation of this defense. So just taking a look around the AFC East, every single team won a football game this week. 
I'm just looking over, just taking a look at the stats and seeing what every team's doing and how we stack up in our division. I'll tell you this. The fact that the Dolphins almost lost to Washington is embarrassing. I mean, they were awful the entire day and snagged victory from the jaws of defeat, which I give them credit for, but I have Alfred Morris, and I'm on a fantasy football team, and I'll tell you this. He killed it. Killed it. Caught no, it's a PPR league. He caught no passes, and yet he had 11 points because they gave up 100 yards rushing to a, a single running back. I had to go up against Brady and Gronk, so I lost. Well, see this. Considering the fact that Washington has no quarterback, how do you give up that many rushing yards? You commit to the run, and you play decent pass defense. You dare them to beat you through the air. That's how you win that football game. And instead... They turned around and let Washington take it to them. I remember seeing the out-of-town scoreboard, and they were talking about they were up 10-3 to at one point over the Dolphins. I was dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. Come to find out later as I'm doing some research and poking around the Internet, you know, checking out some of the articles over at thefinsider.com, they brought this dink-and-dunk game plan in and tried to just, instead of trying to take any vertical shots downfield, they just kept, trying to chew their way downfield and eat clock, but they weren't doing it with a running game. They were trying to do it with a passing game, and it blew up in their, It almost blew up in their faces. Look how great Philbin is now that he's no longer with Aaron Rodgers. Average. I just, I honestly believe that if they bring that type of game, I mean, don't get me wrong, Tannehill's rating was a 93, but he left a, apparently he left a ton of plays in the field against a defense that everyone's expecting to be average at best. That, that's not going to win you a lot of games in this division. It's not. Because you're talking about two good defenses, one possibly elite defense, and one above average defense. And they'll get you a cool pink slip at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday night, the Patriots manhandled the Steelers, but they were overmatched. I mean, the Steelers' defense had no shot in that game. They came in with a terrible game plan. They came in without the talent to really compete. They also them. didn't have Dick LeBeau. <laughs> that hurts too. They just made no effort to neutralize Gronk. I'll tell you this: he's not going to have it that easy this week. I no, even no. if the Patriots win, Gronk out, they're going to have to earn it. Now Rex, Rex is the X factor in Sunday's game. He always coaches well against New England. He always steps up and brings his A game. And then you got the Jets, and it was a surprising win. Surprising win by the Jets this weekend. I mean, not surprising that they won. <laughs> I mean, they're playing the Browns in what literally amounts to a toilet bowl type game. It's surprising to me that they actually moved the ball and scored points, which is something that they failed to do for the last two years. I, mean, I think that Chan Gailey's a pretty good offensive coordinator. And you just, you just rolled your eyes at me. Chan Gailey's never been anything but an offensive coordinator. The fact that he was our coach was laughable. Our offenses were great, and our defenses got ran over. Yeah, because we had Dave Wanstead, <laughs> who brought his 1992 Dallas Cowboys defense into Buffalo. I'll say this. I do, their offense, I think you're going to see him level out after a while. I mean, you're playing the Browns. If anyone saw the play, go look it up. There's a play with the play where Josh McCown gets removed from the game. It was straight out of the movie The Replacements. The diving into the end zone and then getting knocked out and fumbling in the 
there and then getting taken off with a concussion. That's a that is a Cleveland Browns play if I've ever seen one. It's on Deadspin. Go look it up. Yeah, and then Manziel comes in, which you know, great for the Jets. Manziel is garbage. Here comes the money. Here we go. Manziel is he's a he's a playground football player. He's part of the reason. Now, this is a conversation I've been having with a friend of mine from Tampa, Florida, Neil Branson. A friend of mine, I've been having this conversation with him ever since about 2003, that the spread offense is going to, the spread offenses in college were going to be the death of NFL football. And then a couple weeks ago, Pro Football Talk put an article out saying that Doug Whaley and a bunch of other GMs and a bunch of owners have all spoken out about the need for a development league in football. Because quarterbacks are coming out of college now with these simple one-read offenses that don't teach them anything useful about the pro game. So it's a it's a complete crapshoot as far as what you're going to get by drafting a guy anywhere in the draft. Whether it's the first round, second round, third round, you have no idea what you're going to get. Case in point. Bryce Petty shows up to Jets training camp this year. In the article, they mention it. In, he shows up to Jets training camp this year and flat out tells his coaches that he never at any point in his collegiate career had to stand back, take a look at a defense, and try to identify the middle linebacker. All he did was look out, take a look, see what his matchups were, and see if he thought his guy was more athletic than the other guy. And if so, that was his read. I remember reading that article like a week or two ago and. I think they it said something about quarterbacks in college having no idea how to read a cover two defense. No, they're not familiar with it, and that's part of the problem. Teams, they come out of college. College, it's all athletes. That's all it is. You line up the most athletic guys, and you let them run after each other. So in college football, you can get away with having a bad quarterback, and you can win football games because he only needs to look at two different guys. And if he scrambles around in the backfield enough and buys enough time with his legs, somebody's going to get open because most of those college cornerbacks aren't going to be playing NFL NFL caliber football. Matt Ryan had the quote. They asked him after, after his rookie season what the biggest jump from him from college to the NFL was. And he said that on any given Saturday in college football, you might play a team that has two or three guys with legitimate NFL caliber talent. On Sundays in the NFL, 11 to 12 of those guys in the defensive side of the ball can are the best guys you've ever played against. So you have to get used to the speed and the presence of them. And these simple spread option offenses that colleges are putting out now to try to mask their offensive line deficiencies and other deficiencies that they may have, lack of running game, lack of play calling ability, all of that does a huge disservice to all these quarterbacks coming into the NFL. And in fantasy football news, Nerd alert! if anyone out there is looking for a running back, Lance Dunbar, keep that mind in your name. He led the Cowboys in receiving. If you're in a PPR league, dig deep, pick this guy up, see if you can't acquire him in a trade, because I have a feeling about this guy down the stretch. I, I think with Des Bryant's absence, even with Des Bryant on the field, he led the team in receptions. That should tell you about what they're going to go into some of their game plans with. I think he could be a steal. Tevin Coleman, there's a name some people might have stayed away from in the draft. 80 yards rushing. Devontae Freeman is back up by, what do you have, 1.8 yards of carry? The guy was a complete non-factor. If you're talking about feature back work and you're trying to dig deep this week, 
Take Tevin Coleman. The Giants defense looks soft. And James Jones. How about getting the band back together? Oh, James Jones. When that pick hit the waiver, I was all over it like a cheap suit. So was I because we were recording and you said it to me and I immediately went to my lineup. (laughs) And I picked him up and I put him in this week. And I still lost. The guy turned in fantasy gold with two touchdowns and 41 yards. I'll tell you this. Aaron Rodgers is familiar with the guy. He knows him. They've played together for years. So if there's anyone, people want to talk of Devontae Adams. They want to talk about Ty Montgomery. First and foremost, I don't even know who the hell Ty Montgomery is. I'm not going to waste my time on a waiver pick. As soon as I saw that, James Jones, here's a guy. He knows a quarterback. They have chemistry already. Why wouldn't he look at him as his number two? I I see nothing but big things this season as long as he can stay healthy. What about uh, Sunday for the Bills? Is there going to be any... Anybody uh, on the Bills for fantasy? fantasy? Football implications. I mean, you want to talk about it. I would I would say start you gotta start LaShawn McCoy. He's a must start. Good, because yes. I have him. <laughs> a sneaky pick. A sneaky pick. Now I know that they have a that they've I know they have a strong linebacking core. But I think that between Sammy Watkins Robert Woods and Percy Harvin, they're going to keep them so busy. Look for Charles Clay. Look for Charles Clay to have a good fantasy day against this defense. So would you say that Clay would be the X factor for our offensive game plan for Sunday? Well, I mean, let's talk about it. Coming into Sunday, we've got the Patriots coming into our house. We've got them on the road. It's going to be, it's going to be loud. Everyone knows it's going to be crazy. Corey Graham may or may not be back from concussion, first and foremost. You want to talk about matchups, X's and O's. Corey Graham may be back. If he is, that gives us one more option as far as in-the-box people to try to crowd Gronk with. Outside of that, he's got Edelman, and he's got really not a whole lot else to work with. I think that, that is our, that's our best shot at beating him. Man coverage, flood the box with safeties, who can keep up with him as he carries through the zone, and just hope our pass rush can get there. Additionally, on the flip side of the ball, for the, for them, the X factors on their like our side of the ball is going to be defense. I think our offense is going to take care of business. I think Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy are two of the players to watch in this game because if they can get off to good starts, we're going to roll in this game. Would you think that Roman is going to plan an offensive game plan to keep our offense on the field for long, sustaining drives to keep Brady oh, off the field. That's absolutely going to be the game plan. What are you nuts? You have to come into this thinking to yourself: Do not give Brady the ball. The less time he spends, kind of like what we did, to Andrew Luck. The less time he has the ball in his hands, the more he has to make every opportunity count. And that's exactly what it's going to be. They're going to go into this game and try to grind them out, especially after seeing what they saw on tape. They got to be licking their chops, Carlos. With Booby, with McCoy, I think they're going to go out there and look to just shove them around. Because they, but then I also think that the Patriots, knowing this, are going to commit linebackers. They're going to commit guys to the box, which is why I think you're going to see some big plays from Charles Clay. At the same time, on the flip side, we have to be on the lookout for Deion Lewis. He killed the Steelers. He killed them. But it's because they didn't identify him as a threat before the game and keep an eye on him. I think, as I said before, I think Rex Ryan's ready for it. New England's done that over the last couple of years. They have these running backs that just go off, and 
help them for for the year. They had Jonas Gray for one game. They had LeGarrette Blunt, and then they cut him, and then he signed with the Steelers and did nothing. Released by the Steelers, comes back to New England and dominates. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's the Bilicek effect. We have the Rex effect and the Bilicek effect. He has the ability to take mediocre players and get every ounce out of them that he can. Rex Ryan has the ability to get a defense to stand up and play to its full potential. Between the two of them, you're going to see a clash of the Titans this weekend, and it's going to be great. I, for one, can't wait. I'm like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting for this. I'll be at home this weekend, so I will be able to watch that on television. At home? At home doing what? I'll watch the game at home. Just me and just me. and my. <laughs> I use the HD antenna. I don't... It's probably because we don't have... We're poor. We don't have HD. <laughs> I do have an HD antenna, and that is a better picture than what you will get with a satellite provider or a cable company. Well, I'll tell you this. You're going to miss it because SportsCenter is broadcasting from Ralph Wilson Stadium. Yeah, that got announced today. Bang. This is going to be one for the books, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first matchup in in what's going to be the first of many between Rex Ryan and Bill Belichick. He said it. He He didn't come here to kiss his rings, and he meant it. And this is his first chance to put a stamp on it and show everyone he was serious. I, I'm calling it right now. What's your take for the game? Let me hear your bold prediction. A bold prediction? I don't know. I, I still think we're going to lose the game, but it, Rex's defensive play calling and the way he game plans for Belichick and Brady is going to be the key. Five of the last six Jet Patriot games decided by less than a touchdown. Jets didn't have any talent. It was all Rex and his game planning. That's going to happen on uh, Sunday. Rex will come to work with a game plan. I still think we lose, though. Because I'm not on that hype bus. You're not on the hype bus? Well, good. Quiet down and stop yelling. I think we win this football game. I don't know why. I got a good feeling. I like the way we're headed, and I like our chances. But who knows? It's all gonna it's all gonna start at one o'clock on Sunday, folks. Hopefully I'll see you out there. If anybody has anything they want to stop by and say, you know where to find me. Section two hundred, row seven, seat sixteen. I'll be there with the Darius jersey on, screaming at the top of my lungs, and hopefully you'll be there with me. I'm Drew Gear. This is Chris Kruger producing, and this has been the Rock Pile Report.